Hello, my friend. If you're a pastor, this podcast is for you. We're going to talk shepherdology. If you are a pastor, you deal with conflict. There is conflict in any church, every church to some degree. And as pastors, we end up sometimes getting involved with that, trying to help people with the conflicts between themselves and really a lot of times even between church members and the pastor himself. And so it's something that we live with, something that we deal with, and that we need help with. We need guidance. And I am very thankful uh, for people who have a special focus and emphasis in this area of relationships and especially helping churches with relationships. And Scott Owen is that kind of person. I met Pastor Scott Owen a few years ago when we spoke together at a family camp and heard him speak on this issue of relational wisdom. And it personally helped me, and I saw the value of this for pastors. In fact, I remember thinking, wow, if only I had had that kind of um, approach and, and thought to how to deal with relationships when I was pastoring, it would have helped me a great deal. And so uh, Pastor Scott has been here teaching um, in my pastoral theology class this week, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to uh, just pull him into the Shepherdology podcast and have a chance for you to hear from him. Uh, Scott is the Director of Intentional Transitional Ministries with Baptist Church Planters. He's been in ministry for over 30 years. He is certified with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, which used to be known as NANC, and also with Institute for Christian Conciliation, which you may be familiar with, the Peacemaker Ministries. And right now he is working in a position with Baptist Church Planters of helping churches through times of transition— uh, when they need an interim pastor, and uh, when they're making their taking their steps toward finding a new pastor, but then also helping churches that are going through times of of difficulty and tension and conflict and division. And I don't know about you, but I know it would be a great help to me to have some outside counsel and guidance and encouragement in doing that. And that's exactly what. Uh, what Pastor Scott does. So at the end, we'll give some contact information, how you can get in touch with him. But Scott, thank you so much for taking the time here and just your care for pastors, your burden for them and for churches. And I'm just really glad that you've joined us here today. Thank you very much. Very honored to be able to join you today and look forward to talking about those things that could be helpful for pastors. So let's go ahead and, and dive in. Scott, what are some of the common conflicts that you see in churches. You always have the proverbial conflicts that uh, tend to be what color carpet, those type of things. We call those substantive issues, uh, trying to uh, articulate those in the form of a question as to what should be done with this or what should be done with that. And we see those in things relating to music, all sorts of ministry type of programs and, and such. We also see it as how the money is being spent. Uh, we, all, uh, we are also 
uh, seeing conflict in regard to bylaws and the updating of bylaws, covenants, uh, things that impact people's lives. So those are all the substantive issues, but they typically uh, get intertwined with some personal issues because people have been hurt or misunderstood or frustrated, and that tends to make the conflicts all the more messier. It is interesting. Sometimes as a pastor, something will erupt. You just aren't expecting it. You didn't anticipate it. You're just just working, doing ministry, trying to help people. All of a sudden, there's this explosion of of conflict and, and anger and tension, and it can be so difficult. And, and then as a pastor, I know that, that as pastors, we can sometimes respond in ways that are hurtful and harmful to the, the people and to the church. So help us identify some of those harmful ways that we might respond to conflict. The temptation to take things personally tends to escalate situations. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of when Samuel was so upset that the people were, were requesting a king, and uh, God reminded him that they're rejecting me, they're not rejecting you, and gave him good perspective. And I would encourage pastors to, to get good perspective in the time of a conflict and not take it so personal. Also, I'd encourage them to look for people to talk with that are going to help them deal with their relationship with God in the conflict. Too often we're looking for advice on how to get out of it or how to uh, be able to weather it, but these are great opportunities to be drawn closer to God and to understand and even see some logs in our own eye through this situation. Often we as pastors do not see conflict as an opportunity. We see it as something that's a danger to our church, but indeed God uses conflict many times to accomplish some things that help us get to the heart of issues and be able to help people grow in their discipleship. Uh, reacting and making hasty decisions. I know that uh, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath, and that we should be quick to act on some things, but many times that might be just initiating some steps, but not making some formal steps that could really cause more more problems. And so I encourage pastors to, to be very careful not to react, especially if it seems that they've lost some credibility with the leadership team and such, and assume too much of what that means, because some of those things are repairable if they don't react too much. Uh, so those are the main things I would say that if I could encourage pastors to just you know, slow down a little bit, don't take it all personally, and be sure to uh, see how God can use this to bring glory to himself and help people grow. This may be getting ahead a little bit, but let's say a pastor has reacted. Maybe he sent a, an email or he um, he re, you know gave a snappy retort in a in a meeting deacon's meeting, or somebody approached him with a complaint and he you know reacted in some way and he walks away you know later and he's thinking ah that that was not the right way to respond. Um, it's kind of like the car going into a skid on ice you know you turn the wheel to recover. So so just what what would a pastor do if he's if he's done that if he's already and I'm not talking about, you know, he's blown up and stormed out of a business meeting or something, but just an initial, just a bad reaction, bad response. How can he recover and restore those relationships when something like that has happened? He wants his 
response to be based on biblical principles. And one principle that Jesus draws out is the value of ensuring that he is not in debt to someone else because of his actions in regard to that. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that if we're making our offering before the altar and there, remember, someone has something against us, or we owe somebody someone, or they have a, uh, they're, they're upset with us, we are to go and reconcile and then come back and offer that uh, gift before the altar. What we fail sometimes to do is to take that initiative to go and humble ourselves and to be honest, because if God is convicting us of it, I think that's what the Matthew 5 passage is talking about. You're meeting with God in a sense, and he convicts us of something that we didn't do that was bringing glory to him, and we need to protect the glory of God in that scenario and go to that person and be willing to talk with them. And the key to that is going as broad as what the problem is. Uh, if you did that in a meeting with uh, deacons, he needs to talk with the deacons about that. If it was one-on-one or with a couple, he needs to talk with a couple about that. But to be willing to look for the log in his own eye and to see what was, was developing there. Uh, Ken Sandy offers seven A's of an apology. I encourage pastors to understand them so that when they find themselves in this type of situation, they can utilize them. They are not steps, but they are things that allow those we're wanting to talk to to remove a grid on how they might see us. We don't want them to see us as being angry or or, or taking things personal or, or having thin skin or wanting our way all the time. So we want to be able to articulate that And those seven A's are a great tool to help us convey that we get when we sinned, and we want them to see us differently. Great. Um, So so just to touch on that resource, those seven A's, what would be a good place to find those? Would that be on uh, the Peacemaker website or in the Peacemaker book, or what's the best way to access those? The seven A's are available on the Relational Wisdom website. Uh, that's called RW360. Uh, uh, that dot uh, org. RW360.org, and you can find it in the Peacemaker book. It's also available in the Peacemaker Principles pamphlet that you can find uh, at uh, Amazon or different places, uh, and it's available in the uh, Peacemaker book. Great. So a good starting point would be that rw360.org. So for a pastor to respond the right way to conflict, even what he might perceive as uh, personal attacks, he really needs to have his own mind and heart in the right condition so that he will respond in the appropriate way. What would be some issues in our hearts that, that condition us to not handle conflict in the right way? And then on the positive side, how can a pastor cultivate his own character and his walk with God so he is ready to handle conflict in his church? 
pastors have so many things going for them that uh, that need to be applauded and encouraged. However, some of those things that are great benefits to us uh, sometimes can keep us from seeing certain things. Uh, pastors are men that pursue godliness, but yet in that pursuit they may not see uh, some heart issues that they might have. Uh, some good resources to remind us of that is uh, Paul Tripp in his book, because he talks about how he was so faithful and and serving God, but as yet his wife was frustrated with him in so many ways, and it took his brother, Ted, to lovingly confront him to help him see uh, some heart issues that were in impacting him. Similar to Brad Bigney, who was very effective in his ministry, but God uh, opened his heart to realize that uh, he had sin in his life because he had a heart idol in his life, and ministry had actually become a heart idol for him. He outlines that in his book uh, that's called uh, Gospel Treason. And those are great resources to, to help a pastor recognize that sometimes we don't see the log in our own eye. Another thing is we tend to be more black and white, and uh, so we analyze things from that perspective, and we tend to not be able to see gray areas as easily, and relationships tend to be more gray than they are black and white. And so that can sometimes make it difficult for us to deal with a situation that we, we figured out already in our head ought to be a certain way, and so we may not be willing to listen as much to be able to find out uh, some nuances of, of, of that. Another uh, concept is that uh, we as pastors can be lone rangers, in a sense, and we don't uh, take time to get together with someone else that might be able to help us see the situation in a way that will help us respond more biblically. We tend to want to confer with someone who will relate to us and maybe affirm some of our actions or attitudes, but it's always good to have someone that will help test us in those areas. Uh, area in which pastors struggle is that they go into the ministry because they love people, uh, but they can also get to the point where they're trying to please people. Paul made it very clear in Galatians that if he seeks to please men, he's no longer a servant of God. And that's a struggle that a lot of pastors deal with is that they really want people to like them, and in that process, uh, they're missing out on an opportunity to truly love the people they're trying to serve. And then I would encourage just to look at 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, to just utilize those first few verses where Paul, Peter is talking to them about uh, the role of a pastor. Those, those are golden as far as helping us understand how to deal with conflict in regard to our attitudes. And then I also encourage a, a study of the life of King Saul. Uh, Saul was a man who, for the most part, had a pretty clean life except for his heart. He was, a, he was desirous to be led by his fears and led by his jealousies and those types of feelings that I don't think we as pastors are, are immune to. Scott, you mentioned a couple of resources, and the one by uh, Trip is that dangerous, or dangerous Calling, I think it is. In fact, I'm Looking at it on my shelf here right now, Dangerous Calling, is that the one you're talking about there? Yes, you'll find Tripp tends to repeat a lot of things in a lot of his books. So it's a very common illustration in his parenting and in his husband-wife, but you should find it also in Dangerous Calling, as well as Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. Uh, you can just see the attitude. He's very transparent in regard to things that God has taught him and he has changed in. 
I've found him to be very helpful as well in those areas. So that's a, a really good recommendation. So a, a pastor calls you, contacts you, and says, Hey, Scott, I've got this issue going on in my church. There's a conflict broiling uh, among some of my people, and uh, I need to get involved. I know that's a very broad question, but what are just some basic steps that you would encourage a pastor to take, practical steps in handling conflict between church members in a way that's biblical and constructive? I would encourage him to read, understand, and utilize the book The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Uh, It is the probably the primary resource that every pastor should have. There's others that go along with it that would be helpful, but Ken Sandy does an excellent job of dealing with some of the critical elements that people work through. Now, there are some other resources that are less intense than The Peacemaker, a Resolving Everyday Conflict and The Peacemaker Principles pamphlet that I talked about earlier, that can be used with people to encourage them. But I would encourage a pastor to, to fully understand these principles, to be willing to teach them, to be willing to coach their people through them, and to be able to uh, work with them so that they'll follow some, some steps that are pretty well outlined in the book. Uh, Those four steps are, first of all, to glorify God, uh, get the log out of your own eye, gently restore, and go and be reconciled. And the book is based upon a lot of those, uh, on those four uh, things, and I would encourage a pastor to to use those resources. It helps them know how to reconcile, how to apologize, what forgiveness means, the value of those, and that's where I would start. I agree wholeheartedly. I taught through the Peacemaker materials in the last church I pastored, and it was an eye-opener for all of us and extremely helpful practical guidance in how to apply those biblical principles. Because when you're in the heat of the moment, you know, you, you kind of all goes out the window sometimes. I mean, you, you know you should follow the Bible, but how to implement that, how to, to apply that practically in a given situation uh, can be evasive. And so those materials are very helpful in that. That's a great recommendation. Sometimes as pastors, we find ourselves in conflict with our people. And as you've said, we, you know, we, we're in the ministry because we want to serve and and help people and and shepherd them and all of a sudden you know we're we're trying to help we're we're involved with a family or or an individual and all of a sudden it's like they've turned on us and now they're on the attack it seems against us and and we find ourselves in the conflict rather than trying to just help people with conflict or people have you know resistant spirit or we're making a change in the church and all of a sudden there's a reaction to that what do we do as pastors? What, again, are some key steps to handling conflict between church members and ourselves in a way that is biblical and, and can achieve the best possible outcome? Having a process of appeal is helpful. I think back of Daniel when he was in a situation before an authority and in the chapter one, he showed how that he was able to come to the come to the person who was an authority over him to question what was going on. And he had a good plan. He had an alternative, etc. But the concept is is helping people know that there is a process to deal with 
some issues that they might have. Another example of that is in Acts chapter 6, where you have the the complaints about the widows. Easily something for the the apostles to say, hey, we don't have time for this. You know, you guys are just complainers, etc. But they took the time to come to a solution that not only helped them at that time, but serves to be a great resource for us today so that pastors can focus on reading and ministering the Word and prayer. So looking at the preparation for the process of appeal is one thing, but also having an attitude that these potential conflicts can lead to something that can be good, and we don't have to to fear them. Uh, In that, uh, we can become approachable and transparent, and that helps us to be able to convey to them that we're more concerned about them as individuals than the issue that they're bringing to us. Uh, We also want to uphold the the importance of respect and submission that is outlined in the Scripture, and be able to do that in a context that doesn't seem self-serving, but very loving to them, because they are responsible to do that. I would encourage the addressing of issues humbly, and to uh, to use those scriptures that we know so well in Galatians 6 and such to uh, make sure that we are not becoming part of the problem because of the way we're trying to, to fix it. Uh, I would also encourage the pastor to not make church issues a pastor issue. Uh, too often a pastor allows himself to be the point in which the people are upset with when it doesn't have to be. It might be a substantive issue that the church is working through and that he needs to make sure he doesn't get himself caught in the middle of that as he as he attempts to lead. I would encourage consulting with a third party that is capable of being unbiased. I mean, sometimes we have those individuals in our life that they they can't speak truth in our life to help us to see some things. I would encourage pastors to have someone that can do that. Uh, I encourage the trusting of God. Uh, Conflict is scary, but it does test our theology and whether or not we believe that God is with us through it. And I do encourage pastors to use it as an opportunity to look for heart idols and to see things in their own lives that maybe this conflict is allowing us to see come to the surface. And then to have an attitude of gratefulness for the potential sharpening in that situation. Uh, we tend to not be grateful. Uh, I think that's where James comes in, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That falling is is just something like maybe we're just doing our doing the best we can and all of a sudden someone's upset with us. And can that be something God can use to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll say that Scott had some excellent thoughts on, on interacting with people who are bringing problems to us or that we have a conflict with personally. Uh, shared shared those in the class that he taught for me here at the school a little while ago, and just extremely helpful. One of them was to value that person and to convey to them that you value them. Hey, I I am honored that you would express this to me. I love you as a person. Um, Thank you for sharing this with me because I need to hear these things. Saying things like that just really helps the person to know that that uh, this is not you against them or, or that you're taking things personally, but that you value them, you love them, and you want what's best for everybody involved. So some very helpful things there. 
Scott, it seems that in some churches there is a resistance to the pastor, and sometimes it's one person or a particular family, sometimes could even be a, a group within the church, and it's almost like anything he does is wrong, and maybe he tries to implement some changes, and they fight him, you know, every step of the way. Um, you know, they you hear things like, well, we were here before you got here, and we'll be here after you leave, you know, and it just really can be discouraging for a pastor what do you think produces that kind of resistance? And I mean, let's be honest, sometimes it's the way we as pastors handle things. So including that, what do you think produces that resistance? And again, how can a pastor biblically and constructively address that? There are going to be times when those individuals just are operating completely out of sin. They're in a power struggle, and that's just where it is. A pastor needs to have wisdom on how to deal with that, how to lovingly lead his church through that issue, and that would take more than what this segment would be able to uh, forward for us at that time. But I would encourage uh, the pastor in those situations to seek third-party assistance on how to, to deal with that. But in situations where there's a possibility that there's some things that the pastor controls more, I would I would suggest the following— that there be a clear, consistent process for dealing with complaints, so that when individuals are frustrated about some things, they have a way in which they can deal with it without being tempted to go into gossip mode and find somebody who will listen to them. Uh, the, uh, the importance of conveying the principles we talked about earlier to the congregation cannot be overstated, that there, uh, people want to do—a lot of times people are what one author called well-intentioned dragons, that they really do care about the church. They really are fearful of what is going on, but they don't have confidence that their concerns and fears are being heard, and they will sometimes take unbiblical processes if we do not offer them good solid biblical processes. I would encourage the uh, helping divide out whether something is a substantive or a personal issue, and I would help people learn that there's different ways of dealing with each. Matthew 18, 15 would be a good passage to encourage them to follow if they had a personal issue, help them to go talk to the individual, try to work things out through that process, getting assistance if they're having difficulties there. But for the substantive issues, the church really needs to have ways in which people can work through them uh, so that they do not let them get intertwined with personal issues. Sometimes things start out as a substantive issue, and it becomes personal because uh, they didn't deal with things properly. Someone wasn't listened to. Someone was, uh, you know, someone didn't like what was going on. Sometimes they start out as personal issues, and people start uh just not wanting to go along with them because they don't trust the pastor or they think the pastor has ulterior motives. And so it, those two things are, are critical to help, uh, I guess, dissect a little bit and deal with differently. I think that what you said about valuing others is important. Um, there are groups that develop because they don't feel their, their ideas or concepts are being valued. 
And so they find other people that value it, and they come across as being scary uh, for obvious reasons. And in the process of responding to them, we can convey even more so that we don't value them because we go into defense mode. And so that, that concept of being able to value them, but also to try to understand what their interests are. And I think those are two things that, that we can help those groups work through is helping them to, to know that we care about what their concerns are, we're wanting to listen to them to understand, not listen to so that we can rebut them, okay? And then second of all, being able to let them know, as you stated, I am honored that you brought this issue to us. We really want to do the best we can as a church, and it could be that God is giving us some good directives here, but we want to listen to you. Let us know what you have to say. I hope that helps you as a pastor to think that way. And again, I know I just know some pastors personally are going through times in their church where this resistance is there, and so I hope those those thoughts will encourage you and help you. And uh, Scott, you you've mentioned you know several times different materials and and principles and resources. Uh, could you maybe review quickly or add a few key resources that you would recommend? for pastors themselves and then also for pastors to utilize in teaching their churches or helping their churches walk through difficult times. I mentioned the Relational Wisdom 360. This is where Ken Sandy decided later on in his career of peacemaking that he wanted to get upstream of conflict. So he developed materials that would allow uh, leaders and, and church uh, people to be able to see things in their lives, in the lives of others, and then in their relationship with God ahead of time and engage that so they can avoid conflict. So I'd really really recommend the Relational Wisdom 360. Uh, they It's at rw360.org. On there is an online course that you can take to be able to get the these uh, just a real good uh, understanding of relationships. Also, the book by Ken Sandy is The Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker Ministries is now under another leadership, and their website is peacemaker.training, and they have some resources that can help in that area as well. I like the book Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. Uh, that uh, is written by Paul Tripp and Lane. Uh, they uh, were two men who didn't really like working with each other, and so they decided to write a book together and uh, about relationships. So it has some very practical information there. And then also for working with your children, uh, Corlett Sandy, Ken's wife, wrote the materials The Young Peacemaker. And that works very well for elementary age children, uh, equip equipping them with some of the same good, practical, biblical principles for peacemaking. And don't wait to start utilizing these. Be proactive, um, getting an understanding of them yourself, and then also sharing them and teaching them with your church, I think, is a good approach to take. Scott, can you just share what your ministry is and, and what it provides that pastors might want to utilize, and also tell us how we can get in contact with you? 
My role at Baptist Church Planters is to work in the church revitalization and training area, recognizing that in order for churches to really plant churches and to send missionaries out, they need to be healthy and be able to move forward through those obstacles that they might have. My role particularly is kind of an obstacle remover in regard to churches that might be experiencing conflict or churches that are in transition and need some assistance assistance in that process. For that reason, uh, I'm available to pastors to help them in some of the most critical areas of their lives, sometimes in their own personal relationships and their family, uh, sometimes within their their churches to give them some consult, uh, give them some consultation in regard to how to move forward in a in a situation. I provide mediation services in that. Also, I recruit, train, and coach intentional interims so that they can come into church and help them through transition. I help pastors uh, be able to uh, develop their succession plan as as they move forward. Uh, We want to help churches that might be considering mergers and also closures uh, so that they can do so in such a way that glorifies God. And uh, we want to put on trainings in regard to relationships as well as peacemaking and helping pastors develop their conflict coaching skills. Scott, if a pastor would like to reach out to you and maybe seek counsel or even invite you to come to their church, uh, speak for them, or just provide counsel for them, can you share some ways that they can get in touch with you? If they want to get an idea of what our ministry is about in regard to peacemaking, they can go to our website, www.hopeinconflict.com. That's hope inconflict.com, or they can contact me through my email, which is hopeinconflict at gmail.com, hopeinconflict at gmail.com. This has been incredibly helpful, and Scott, thank you very much for investing this time in my pastor friends, and I know that uh, this will be encouraging for them, so thank you so much for giving of uh, your heart and and this information. And this is extremely helpful, but it's just a start. It's just a scratching of the surface almost. But I hope it will um, give you some direction and also just prompt you and, and stimulate you to be proactive in these areas, but also know where to get some help when it is needed. My mind goes to a passage of Scripture that has guided me during times of walking through conflict and that is James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. I won't read it all right now, but I would, as I finish, like to pray for you and just pray some of the thoughts in this passage for you. So my pastor friend, would you just calm and quiet your heart, and maybe you are in a time of conflict, and would you allow God's wisdom and grace to be poured into your life, even as I pray for you? Father, this is reality for many of us, and some of my pastor friends right now may be in the midst of something extremely difficult, and it weighs on them, burdens them, and I pray that you would use what we have just heard to encourage and equip them to deal with conflict. And Father, we recognize that in our own lives, as well as in the lives of people that we pastor, there can be bitter envy and self-seeking and boasting and lying against the truth. 
We recognize it in our hearts. We recognize it sometimes in a situation we're dealing with. This wisdom does not come from above. It is earthly and sensual and even demonic, where there's envy and self-seeking, there's confusion, and then all kinds of evil things are there. So, Father, I pray that the wisdom that is from above would be poured into the hearts and lives of my pastor friends and the people that they shepherd. It is pure, it is peaceable, it is gentle, it is willing to yield, it is full of mercy and good fruits, it does not manifest itself in partiality or hypocrisy, and and where this fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, then, then there is peace, and peace can prevail. And so I ask that, that this kind of wisdom would prevail in the hearts and, and lives and the ministries of my pastor friends. And whatever, whatever conflict, whatever source of, of difficulty that they're dealing with right now, I pray that what they've heard and what is contained in your word would guide them and enable them to respond biblically and in a way that, that builds up the church of Jesus Christ. You are doing your church-building work. Satan desires to tear it down, but we know, Father, that you can use pastors to introduce grace and wisdom from above and peace into a situation. So help my pastor friends to be that agent of peace. So, Father, I pray that you will continue to give your grace and your wisdom because it's ultimately for your glory and because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, my pastor friend, for joining me here on Shepherdology. You can connect with me through uh, my website, deanhtaylor.com. You can email me at shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at deanhtaylor63. Would love to connect with you, and please join us again, and we will talk Shepherdology.